Welcome to the Relationship Cycle with Jorge and Nelsa, where we discuss dating and other significant relationships. Hello, hello. Hello, welcome to the Relationship Cycle with Jorge and Nelsa. We have a great show lined up for today, Jorge, and um, we actually have a special guest with us to share their story. Um, our our listeners were invited to share their stories about substance abuse and dating and the impact um, of that on your dating relationship. And so, uh, Jorge, if you'll invite or if you'll introduce our guest for our listeners, uh, we'll get get right on it yeah this is uh you know the first of all i want to give alina all the credit because it was her idea and she suggested that we maybe do a podcast on you know sobriety and dating and how it impacts people right from both sides the person Mm -hmm. who is you know battling you know and going through that journey and also the person that wants to you know support uh, a loved one or you know someone that they're trying to date in that journey as well absolutely it is not just one-sided for sure alina so tell us um we're going to jump right into it um tell us about your journey on how you know you've persevered over this <laughs> that sounds like a scary journey hi guys thank you for having me um drinking was very fun starting at the age of 14. Uh, Alcohol was readily available in Ukraine, where I'm from, and um, drinking during school, after school, between school was fun. Drinking when parents aren't looking, when parents are drinking themselves. (laughs) So then I moved to Germany and I started working at the bar and uh, drinking doubled, if not tripled. And then I was in that cycle uh, that um, I wasn't aware that it's something bad or something to um, to get rid of or something to let go of or to minimize. It's um, it was not an intention of mine to to get over drinking until I realized that I'm burning out at my career. So from a perspective of relationship and dating. Uh, that was actually a lubricant that made my dating life really fun because every man was a man worth dating. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it look. does. It does make you uh, have those drunk goggles. You know, everybody <laughs> drinking. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, not to take it. I, I know we're laughing about it now, but you know, um, I appreciate your honesty in describing it as fun because you know, for a lot of people after you get through the cycle, you look back and see how it impacted you. But while you're in it, there, there are a lot of people who don't see the problem. They don't see that it's impacting their decision-making or, you know, they don't view it as a problem. And so I appreciate your honest uh, recall, if you will, about (laughs) how you, how you were in those moments, you know, everything kind of starts out sometimes as a lot of fun, but it's what happens as you continue to spiral down and, uh, where where was your point of it, this is no longer fun? 
I just celebrated my 32nd birthday and for each birthday I would travel to a remote destination. So I was doing the double escape. I learned how to escape through alcohol and then I did uh, an escape out of the country and um, basically I was drinking all night, gambling, and I woke up super hungover from some construction noise and I was complaining to my five-star hotel receptionist uh, how dare they <laughs> on my birthday <laughs> uh, make a noise while I'm trying to recover from all this fun that I had last night and then she was so kind that um, she made me think well uh, isn't that how it's supposed to be and where I was celebrating it it was in Canada Vancouver and everybody's so sporty there. It's just like people cannot smoke within um, the distance of the building doors. Everybody's biking. People look so good. Nobody's overweight. Sun's shining. And I was like, uh-oh. I think that I am a little bit off, <laughs> off balance here. And so I just said, okay, that's enough. I am not going to smoke or drink anymore. Wow. And, yeah. Yeah, and that's when I met this guy who happened to be a Brazilian triathlete living in Canada. And he inspired me so much, uh, not saying you should quit this and that. He just wanted to show me around and I could not, not follow him and see how healthy he is climbing up that mountain and biking. And he had a second bike and... It was just, um, I knew that to belong to his kind of people, which is healthy, <laughs> mm -hmm. I needed to level up. And to level up, I needed to quit the alcohol. And so for several months, it went really well. And then I had to uh, get back to that. But first, I quit smoking. So smoking, I quit first, and I never um, got back to it. And then drinking took me another six months to really get rid of. Um, I was at a breathwork retreat where there was no drinking allowed. And I was cursing, dumping my flask into the restroom. And I said, fine. And I never got back to it either. And wow. I noticed all the great things just popping into my life. I couldn't believe that. It was just so simple by quitting something, making the room for something more beautiful to come in. So how did it impact you while you were in the middle of um, the alcohol? You know, what sort of what sort of behavior like on a typical date with you? What <laughs> would your partner, you know, your date, what would they experience being on a date with you? I mean, if you interviewed them, they'd probably say it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> they definitely did not know that I had already a couple of shots within me by the time I met them. Um, because I really wanted to, um, to be loved. I really wanted to be somebody who they would enjoy. And I really would like to enjoy them. I wanted for the date to go nicely. And for, for that, I knew there needs to be alcohol because it removes my boundaries of seeing things that are not necessarily how I want them to be. And let's, you know, let's touch on this from the dating aspect, right? Um, me being, obviously, I think a lot of people know um, I'm epileptic, so I don't really drink a lot. And uh, I, 
I've never been drunk in my life. So I don't understand what that feeling is like. Now, the reason why this is relevant is because when I started dating, uh, everybody's like, hey, let's go get drinks. Let's go this or hey, let's go to dinner and then let's go get drinks. And I would go out with, you know, or, you know, go out with women and they're always drinking more than me. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> now like, you know why. <laughs> They maybe, wanted to like you. Maybe that's what it was. They were like, you know what? This guy does not look like what he was supposed to, so I'm going <laughs> to keep drinking until he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, like, to to hammer a point, right, is that this idea of drinking and dating and relationships, it always goes hand in hand in different walks of life, whether it be, you know, American society or even in Europe and even in Latin America, right? Like that is something where it's always associated with dating and having fun and alcohol. And, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Uh, everybody enjoys a drink here and there, but balance and moderation is the key. And I feel that there there is some science behind this where some people are genetically disposed to have addictive personalities. And when they have addictive personalities, they have a tougher time balancing certain things such as alcohol or even, you know, drugs or even gambling or such. So some people can control it easily. Like I can go to a bar and I say, hey, I'm going to have two drinks and I have two drinks and that's it. Nice. But for people who struggle with this, they can't like it's hard for them to just stop at a certain point they're like hey i'm gonna keep drinking until i can't have enough well two drinks um, is a minimum uh, in our culture three is the average and then if you're sitting at the bar and you are enjoying the conversation then it's kind of strange to sit and not have anything in front of you and the bartender is always doing a pretty good job asking uh, would you like another and the guys okay can i can i just say that that Go the guys it. are actually very eager to have you drink more because they believe that maybe what if she's going to have another and another and another and then we can do it on the first night. Yeah, listen, I yeah. agree with you that there is that element where men, not all, right? We're not going to say all, but there is a belief that uh, a lot of men feel that more alcohol equals a better date because most women, when they meet someone, their guard is up. So the way to get that guard down is by drinking because the more a woman drinks the less her walls are up and the more her judgment goes out the window well and i won't even say a lot more um i i dated a guy who had never drank never smoked never done weed never did anything um and that was his norm so but i do think there's a certain element of men in dating who use those tools against women a lot of times, and I'm not going to even go to the point of, you know, date rape, even though that is definitely a risk when you're when you're drinking like that. And, you know, there's somebody who really wants to prey on you, because really, if getting to know you without your guard up is the goal, show up and be consistent, be honest, 
open up and let me know about what's going on with you if that's really how we're trying to connect and it's not all about a hookup. Uh, I think, you know, again, that type of predatory behavior, um, you know, we are not condoning that and definitely not, you know, hyping that up, but it's out there. And I think, you know, when you grow up, like you said, uh, Olena, in a culture where two drinks is the minimum, I'm like, good gracious, sometimes half a drink is all I need to be, um, you know, a little loose and free in myself. Sometimes water is plenty. I can't imagine, you know, that being the expectation as a young person. And how do you not fall into substance abuse with that being the norm around you? And so to be able to go on a date and feel safe is what pops up in my mind. Like my mother instincts are going, oh, no, surely she did not go on dates with men who would do that to her. Like that just scares me as a woman to think you would have to, you know, wade through that kind of um, predatory behavior. To me, that just sounds, it screams predatory behavior. And let's, uh, let me ask you, Alina. So obviously we've established, um, you know, the struggle of your journey. So let me ask you, how did, when you decided that, okay, this is enough and I have to change, when you started implementing those changes, how did that impact your dating life? So I, the biggest difference I see that dating since, well, let's say since I was 17 until I quit drinking at 33, uh, I had a lot of men. And in the past two years, I had two men. <laughs> so the quantity and the quality of dating life definitely changed. Right. When I just uh, quit drinking, um, COVID started and I was like, well, I, I do want to have that connection. I do want to have a relationship. So I'm going to try the old way of swiping app. And I happened to find a guy who just quit drinking himself. So it worked out really well. Nice. And that's when the whole... Um, uh, insights started coming in. I mean, the triggers that were coming up could no longer be masked and escaped with a shot or two or three. And the conversations needed to be had. And I noticed how my emotions were just uh, like a wild ocean, just overboard. And this guy was like, look, you have some issues. <laughs> and um when, when I ran away from, from him saying that and just settled down and I thought maybe he is right. Maybe I do have issues. And that's when my healing really started. So I took a break from men for a whole year. And then even when I started thinking that I'm healthy enough to start a relationship, to offer something to a guy, actually, instead of extracting love from somebody who, again, in my culture, and I think in the whole world, is believed that you should be expecting something from this guy, right? He, mm. he needs to give you flowers. He needs to buy you drinks. He's probably going to have to take care of you once you get married and give you a child and give, give, give. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then how, how is this love? It, it's, it's just a commercial relationship. Um, 
So I started uh, trying to learn and explore where the love is within me. And, um, and I'm still in that um, journey, exploring that. I think that's something um, that could be a whole show, Olena, just that piece alone. Uh, but I, I wrote down something you said just a minute ago, as you talked about your, your, your dating in drinking, you wanted to be loved. That was the, that was the phrase you used. Um, that's, that's so heavy right there. Like so many people, if they could just drill down and know that that's what's missing. Like sometimes that 17 to 33, those years, you can't get back. But with that piece of information and the work that you've invested in yourself, you know, Poppy and I have talked a lot on the show about self-work and healing and therapy and coaching and um, all those things. But could you talk about, you know, what were some of the steps it took for you to sort of dig deep and, and discover, like, like, what did you do to just love on yourself, you know, to, to heal yourself? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> well, I am going to have to touch down on another big and heavy topic that could be another part of the show, which is plant medicines. And um, I had a, a terrible accident uh, whenever I decided I'm going to heal. I still was kind of doing it on a surface level. I thought that healing is for the body. You know, I did not know that we're multidimensional beings and the physical dimension is just part of it. So once I started exploring that, I was just wowed. I'm like, wow, not only have I, um, you said I can't have the the years of my life back until 33 but not only was I drinking and um, not paying attention to life I I did not know that there is something beyond the physical body yes I knew that you know the mind and something something uh, but I did not know nothing about energy I did not nothing about the source and how we belong uh, to to earth and we're one with that and how you know all of all of the things on the surface cannot even scratch the vastness of our existence so i believe that sometimes when these thoughts would arise i would wash them away with alcohol because they were just so big for my little mind mm. and so when i had that uh, accident that made me go into the hospital i was like well now all of these little healing tricks that I thought are working, like going for acupuncture and for massage and, you know, having a therapist you can talk to, they're, they're just not gonna do anymore. It really has to be something deep and serious. And without searching for it, without trying to um, get into it, plant medicines found me, you know. And whenever I sat in ceremony for the first time, I really understood what love is because you go beyond, beyond your limitations, beyond your mind beliefs that have been packed on top of you by your parents, by the society and switching the countries. I feel like I have uh, double bagged on it. You know, I have the beliefs of one society and then another society. And then I'm like, okay, where do I belong? Who am I? And um, when I felt these feeling of love, you know, that was completely unconditional. I, 
I am now still trying to get to that level in the real life where I don't uh, need to have anything external where I can use meditation, breath work, yoga mm -hmm. to, um, to just slow down the moment and to really connect and, and remember these things that I learned in the deep dives with the plant medicine um, and try to stay outside of the past uh, thoughts and traumatic memories and, and try to stay away from planning the bright future and just breathe and pay attention to what's around me. Yeah, be here now, right? Um, that's, that's so beautiful. Um, thank you so much for, for sharing that, for even sharing your story. Uh, there's so many people who have experienced that type of freedom of self, but sometimes it's very difficult to to get other people to understand it. But I think what's more important is the fact that you've experienced it um, for your own understanding, for your own healing journey. So uh, thank you so much for just opening that door for us. You know, I, I do have to say for show um, show's sake, you know, of course, we're not um, espousing or telling anybody how you need to go about your journey. But this is one person's story of how she overcame her obstacles. So we do want to make sure that's clear uh, for the listeners, but um, that's just, it's amazing. And you sound so peaceful, you know, just re recounting, you know, what you've been through. And I know it had to be an enormous process. So how does dating look inside this process of, you know, your own journey to self? Well, it's very uh, interesting, you know, I never thought it could be that way, but um, it, it is like a meditation with another person. So sometimes mm -hmm. we begin our date with gratitudes. Sometimes we begin our date by drinking cacao and setting intentions, depending where we are in the moon cycle. I always pay attention to that, mm -hmm. uh, to not miss the new moon manifestations mm -hmm. or the... Uh, the full moon reflections of what happened. Um, it, it's just, um, you know, the, the conversations can go so deep. And it's so nice to be able to be openly talk about anything that comes into your life, no matter whether you label it as good or as bad. Because before that, um, trying to be loved, I thought that I needed to hide some things that were not socially acceptable. Now, uh, even when that thought comes to mind, I'm like, I'm still going to express that because I know that truth is the value of our relationship. Okay. And then receiving that support, whenever you're going through um, transforming your triggers, whenever you're going through the motions of emotions and trying to be a better self, and there is somebody who says, that's okay, take your time, or somebody who says, come on, you can do better, or somebody who says, let's look deeper into that. Do you think that stem from this and that? Or apologizes for triggering you and then uh, still knows that I am thankful for those triggers because that's how we can get better. And then having that commitment of not running away from each other whenever we get triggered is a big thing because um, that issue of abandonment is definitely something that's part of my story and knowing that no matter how ugly it gets, there's always somebody who loves you. Mm -hmm. That is very nice. So, ladies, um, 
I did some research uh, on this topic, right? Because frankly, at least me personally, and just from what I observed, a lot of people don't really take this into consideration. Like when you're looking at a dating profile or when you're considering a person, I would say most people don't stop to think, hey, do they have a, you know, a problem, you know, whether it be with drinking or other substance, we just don't because we just see the smile, we see the different pictures, we see the best side of the individual, right? right. So I did a research with, uh, there's a, a YouTube channel personality called Allie K. Campbell, and her and her partner uh, did a pretty good job laying out some things to consider when you date somebody who goes through this you know, process as far as trying to stay sober. And they mentioned a lot of things. However, the, the top five that really stood out to me, that both partners, whether it be you're the one supporting um, your partner or the partner that's going through this process of trying to get right and stable, um, these are the top things that stood out for me. Number one, uh, social life adaptation. When you are dating somebody who battles with this problem, uh, you have to be aware of that because there's going to be times where there may be an event and you don't want to put your partner in a situation where they're going to feel uncomfortable or where they're going to feel triggered, mm -hmm. especially if it's a place where there's going to be a ton of alcohol or a ton of drinking and you want to check in that, hey, is this something that you're up for? Or is this an event where I'm going to have to go by myself? Right. Um, another point was relapsing, right? Like when you're dating somebody that's going through this, you always have to keep that in the back of your mind. Like, this, you know, that is always a fear. And it can be a healthy fear, right? And it's good to check in and have that conversation of, hey, where are you at? Are you struggling with things? Or what can I do to better support you? So acknowledging that that is a fear and being supportive to that is important. Um, embarrassing your partner. Like when you're out in public um, and you know that your partner has a struggle, right, um, with being sober, you don't want to do it in a way where it's a constant nag everywhere you go. If somebody's having a glass of wine, you don't want to be bothering your partner and be like, hey, are you going to be okay? Because that lady's having a glass of wine. So you want to have, you know, conversations prior and private, and then you go on about life. But you definitely don't want to keep hammering this on and egging a person on to the point that it's becoming a strain that you're constantly bringing this up, especially in front of other people who maybe don't need to know all that. Um, also being cautious and aware of other substances, right? I remember going on a date with the lady and I remember her saying that, you know, she was trying to be sober from alcohol and I was like, oh, okay, well, can you smoke weed? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and she was like, no, I don't want to deal with that because I don't want to risk it, you know? Because I'm like, hey, okay, I'm not a big drinker. That's cool. Um, you know, I respect that. But what about, you know, a little, you know, Mary Jane? And she was like, I really don't know, but I don't want to put myself in that predicament. I want to stay 
on course, even with that. So just because you feel that, hey, I'm supporting your, my partner with their drinking problem, that doesn't mean that another substance is going to be okay or that they're going to be able to handle that as well. So you got to be mindful of that, of those things. And also finding activities that you can enjoy without having to bring other substances into the equation. Because I feel like in a lot of societies, particularly in the American society, everything is associated with alcohol. Mm. Those are some good tips. I dated a guy who was sober for, um, you know, close to 20 years, I think, if I remember correctly. And I think that was one of the things that I really had to ask myself, am I willing to give up um, being around alcohol? And, and he was fine. You know, he was even fine if I had a glass of wine with dinner, but I never did that because I just did not want to, I didn't want to feel like I was contributing to something that may, you know, it may be a trigger for him or, you know, it could lead him to feeling like, you know, he wanted to bring that back into his life, but he, he was always really cool with it when we went to dinner or whatever, but it was one of those things where I was like, could I live my life with someone who, you know, this was constantly, like he was going to constantly have to make time for his, you know, AA meetings, he was going to constantly have to be, um, you know, working out or doing things that kept him sober. You know, that was something that was the reality of his life. You know, once you come become sober again, like it's, it's a, you know, and I don't know about for you, Alana, but, um, you know, do you constantly feel like your sobriety is, an issue for you when you're thinking about who you're going to go out with. And if they're, you know, a drinker, even social drinking, or, you know, if they have any other issues, like, do you feel like, do you feel safe in your sobriety now? I guess that's the question. Yes. I was smiling uh, when Jorge was reading out these things because they never touched me actually. So I don't know um, how it affects other people when uh, I make decision. I, uh, I don't look back anymore. So I have never been tempted to do that. Although my mother and my grandmother are still drinking heavily and we live in the same city. We're meeting at least uh, you know, a couple times a month. And there were many times when I had to rush out of the house because they were trying to um, you know, have a nice dinner and drinks with me. And I kept on saying, no, I don't think you get it. And I think it took them at least a couple of years to get it. My grandmother still puts a, a glass for vodka next to my plate every time she serves <laughs> the table. And, and I forgive her because she's 80 years old and, you know, without alcohol, that's, that's her uh, habit. That's her addiction. It's something that keeps her alive. And I, and I definitely don't want to dictate to people how they should live their life. Um, however, the both men that I dated after I stopped drinking were non-drinkers, and I will probably not date anybody who is drinking alcohol, not because I look down on them, but because I would know that they're not on the same spiritual level that I am, because anybody who has touched down on spirituality knows that there are some foods and drinks that take away from your energy, um, so... so- Coffee, alcohol, red meats, 
I mean, I stopped eating red meat. I never looked back, you know. Uh, and um, if energy to be up, if you want to be your highest self, you just wouldn't go back to that, no matter what society is offering to you. Um, of course, my social life is no longer as um, going out uh, Thursday for happy hour, Friday for a life after five, Saturday for um, all nighter, and then Sunday for margaritas, or I'm sorry, what is it, Bloody Marys, and uh, all you can drink champagne. Uh, and I'm very happy about it. And, um, you know, it was my journey and I needed to have so much to realize when it's enough because I'm that intense person of all or nothing. And so now I'm in that nothing. <laughs> um, maybe there will be a day whenever I will not say no to a sip of champagne, but knowing that that would be taking away from my energy and uh, affect my health harmfully, where I would have to do twice as much meditation to get me back to the state of being here now and open and conscious. Uh, why would I risk that? And then another thing I wanted to say that um, that point about finding a different substance um, instead of alcohol, right. I did I did find something to drink that makes me feel real good. And so I understand how um, some people just miss that action of grabbing something and putting it into the mouth, because that's something I have learned. We as children learn to do. So whenever we're stuck in some... Um, nervous system dysregulation uh that is something that helps us regulate back to the comfort level right, right. as a baby grabbing a finger and putting it in the mouth to suck on and so yes now i drink cacao instead of alcohol is it a substance no is it plant medicine yes it's completely natural and gives me all the nutrients that alcohol never had absolutely does it make me feel um Finding the love for myself and others, absolutely. So I'm grateful for having that. Um, and that replacement did not come immediately after alcohol. It's not like somebody gave me cacao and said, okay, now you stop drinking. I had to make <laughs> this decision by myself. And then there was this injury. And then there was another spiral down into, oh my God, you know, and having all these realizations. And then... I was open to receive the healing and that's when things have come in. So once you have to say, stop, that's enough. I don't want it anymore. And then things will actually improve. But what I believe is happening is people looking at their neighbors, their families and the whole social shenanigans, they're considering that normal because everyone is doing this and they don't believe in the change of better and Thank you for having me on the show to express that better is possible once you make the decision that the old way no longer works for you. So I, um, so I have a, a dear friend who he's married and his wife also um, battled with sobriety issues. And he said when she was going through her struggle, uh, there were times where he either had to keep all alcohol away from the house or keep it locked um, because she was going through a tough time and the concept of moderation of having one drink just it just didn't fit well with her. It was a big, big struggle. Um, also, 
he also mentioned to me that there are people that are in these kind of relationships or trying to date someone that is going through this where they try to almost blackball people and saying, hey, if you don't quit drinking, I'm going to leave you. And he told me that is the worst thing you can do as a partner when you're trying to make it work and to try to be supportive because you want to frame it from a point of, hey, I want you to get help and I want you to get better. And if you don't take the steps to do that, then we're not going to be able to work out. But setting these ultimatums never, never work out well. Oh, and anyway where that's been effective at all truly um you know no matter what it is whether it's just you're not communicating well or seeing people or doing whatever you're doing uh, it's almost like you're really setting things up for failure with that so i can totally see why he why he even said that 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 makes absolute sense you know that that's not that's not going to be helpful for the person if they're already if you're already drowning get get over here to get over here and come, get out this pool or else I'm leaving you I'm like that how are you gonna save somebody doing that that's not that's not I don't know there's there's probably no organization or no health group or anything that's gonna say that's a good way to inspire or motivate somebody to make a change I, I really think like you said Olena um, you really can't make anybody do anything until the desire is within them to stop and want to change you know it's almost like a free fall that has to happen for some people before they can you know see the see the light of day again so um, we just really really appreciate you um, number one for the story idea and two coming to share your story it's, it's such a powerful testimony to like self self-love and not just that like you said, acupuncture, meditation, the surface level, physical change, but that really looking at yourself deep down and knowing that what you needed came from the inside, not not from the outside world. That's that's really good stuff, and I'm so happy for you on the journey that you've um, you found yourself now, and and hopefully um, having some. Um, someone who aligns with where you are and where you're going. And just to kind of, you know, wrap up and put a bow on this, uh, you know, deep conversation, um, you know, we challenge our listeners, right, to, hey, try to think outside the box. Maybe, hey, let's go for a walk or let's go, you know, to the park. Let's have a picnic. Um, you know, let's drink cacao. You know, let's find different ways to, try to spend time with somebody and get to know someone without always having to incorporate substances as the only way that you can feel that you can connect or have fun with someone. Because to me, if you feel that that's the only way you're going to be able to spend time with someone, I feel like you're approaching it all wrong. I also want to say that a little correction when I said superficial acupuncture I said, and massage is because uh, somebody is doing that service for you. Now, meditation, that is your doing. That is your decision to go inward and fix yourself. So meditation is not a superficial healing modality. Well, um, I, I and, was with you. and not to say that it's not helpful. Those are 
very helpful forms of healing. But like you said, and we mean superficial as far as external. I That's the way I took it uh, when you said it, honestly. So we hope our listeners will understand that as well. I hope so too. I hope so too. Um, and I wanted to say to the listeners, it's been three years that I haven't been drinking. So now I can laugh about it. But I, I do want to say that there were some rocky, rocky spots on the road, you know, especially the beginning, the first six months, I would say, were the toughest. Whenever, whenever you are triggered, it's really hard not to go to something that would make you feel at ease. So maybe you will increase your sugar intake. Maybe, you know, cake was my second. I mean, alcohol and sweets, please. <laughs> you, you've won my heart. <laughs> um, so maybe you will eat some more sweets. Maybe you will binge some more TV. Maybe you will um, uh, find yourself at home alone and just uh, having to deal with something, not purchasing alcohol, not going somewhere where there is alcohol, which is totally okay. Just give yourself some grace, find something that works for you that can replace that, that can give you a better time spending because, you know, just look around yourself and see what else is fun for you besides drinking. And, and allow yourself to do that more and speak to anybody who's close to you and tell them that you made this decision and perhaps they will come up with options. And I'll, I can tell you how excited people will get that, that somebody next to them decided to be a better self and that can be inspiring for other people. So don't be afraid to make that first step to fall in order to learn how to fly. Alina, thank you so much for opening up and sharing your story. This has been very uh, impactful, and we hope that, you know, we've uh, shared some good insight to some of our listeners from both sides, right? From someone who's maybe considering making that change, and then someone who's maybe trying to support someone in that change. Mm -hmm. uh, what we want to do with this is to try to, you know, bring awareness, educate, and, you know, be aware that, hey, this is hard. This isn't something that happens overnight. So whoever you decide to pursue that's going through this, it's going to take time and patience and love. Absolutely. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you have a story idea like Olina did, please uh, email us at jorgeandnelsa at gmail.com or leave a comment on our Facebook pages, Jorge Medina and we're going to wrap it up for now. Until next time. Buenas noches, good people. Thanks for joining us today on The Relationship Cycle with Jorge and Nelsa. Do you have show ideas? Email us at jorgeandnelsa at gmail.com. Follow us on Spotify or anchor.fm for more great shows. 